Let's go to the Lord again. Father God, as we come now to the preaching of Your Word, I pray that You will help me not to speak in error. Father, may Your people hear You this morning. Father, may You do the impossible. May You awaken souls this morning. Father, may Your people be strengthened. May we be transformed into Your likeness. Father, as you do it for us, we pray that you'll do it for Foundation Church in Fredericksburg. We pray that you'll be with Pastor Bobby this morning as he brings forth your word. May he be clear in the gospel message. May he be your instrument this morning for your people. May that young people be brought up under the preaching of the word in that, Father, you will use Pastor Bobby to strengthen them, to embolden them with the gospel. Father, may you enable them to see the lostness that's all around them, Father, and that they will seek and save the lost by your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for Covenant Community Church this morning. We pray that you'll be with Pastor Tom as he also preaches. We pray that you will enable him to speak mightily and boldly and that it will not fall on deaf ears, but his people will hear the truth, and they will respond to you in worship and adoration and confession, Father, if needed, and that they will go forth a people with a zeal and a passion for Jesus Christ, that they will not look to what may happen, Father, but they will go regardless and that they will share the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you will do it here in King George. We know that we're not the only church in our area, Father. We pray for other gospel-centered, Bible-believing churches here in our own area. Father, we pray that You will use the preaching of Your Word this morning to strengthen Your people and that more in our area will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and Your people will be healed and will be strengthened. Father, we also ask that you'll do it for Pastor Kogo, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Nakuru, Kenya. Father, we thank you for that dear brother and his wife, Jackie, and their children. We pray that you will strengthen them as they seek to to save those in Nakuru. We pray that you will continue to gather a people who will be unified through your word, Father, and that they will have a zeal for the gospel message and that they will go forth. Father, we thank you for the North American Mission Board. We thank you for the support that they have given us these last couple of years. We thank you for their mission of planting more churches throughout North America where the gospel of Jesus Christ will be heard in more places, Father. That churches will be revitalized and healed and strengthened, Lord, and that You'll continue to use that ministry. Lord, we pray that You will be with the Gemma of Sudan, a people who do not know the Gospel. The good news has not come to them, Father. Lord, we pray that You will look down on that precious people and that You'll break their, their chains to the false religion of Islam, that they will hear the good news, that You'll send brothers and sisters maybe from this congregation, Lord, to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ and that churches will be planted 
among the Gimma. And that brothers will be called and churches will be planted and more of the Gimma people will be saved, Lord. We pray for Your mercy and Your glory to go forth among the Gimma this morning. Father, we do thank You for all that You've done for us. Father, we thank You for what You are doing and are about to do. It's in Your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. We are beginning a series on prayer. This is our second series, second year that we're doing the series. And we began last year, and we want to begin every calendar year looking at prayer. Prayer is essential in the Christian life, and we want to enter the new calendar year being reminded of the importance of prayer and the great equipping that prayer is for the Christian life. It is vital that Christians pray. A praying Christian is a healthy Christian. A praying Christian is spiritually awakened to the eternal realities of God and the relationship with Him is fortified by it. A praying Christian is armed for spiritual warfare, the Holy Spirit working through prayer. A praying Christian glorifies God by turning to Him with praise and supplication, and it's a form of worship and a means of strength and protection and transformative power. I want this for you, Redeemer Church. I want you to be healthy and growing in relationship to God. I want you to be well armed for the spiritual battles of the coming year. I want us as a church to be consistent in prayer and to follow what has long been a mark of a healthy church. This week is about our need to pray. Everybody has a need to pray. And what prayer does, not only in our lives, but deep in our soul. Next week, we'll look at how to pray and what to pray for. You can then take these two weeks and begin the new year with renewed vigor and devotion to prayer. Maybe you don't know how to pray this morning. Maybe your prayers have become mundane and mechanical. And if we're honest, none of us pray as as we ought to pray. Even those among us who have learned to pray for years need shaping and reviving and sometimes restoring. Maybe your prayers are no longer fervent and they've become casual. These two weeks are intended to jumpstart your prayers and to build into your life a deepening desire to pray and to turn dullness into spirit-filled fire to pray. I hope you take the truths from these two weeks with you all throughout the year and enjoy praying big prayers, little prayers, everyday prayers, and essential prayers, never ceasing, always praying. Some of you may remember that last month was the Southern 
Baptist Conservatives of Virginia's annual meeting. This is the state association that we're partnered with. The SBCV is supporting this church plant, and we also partner with them for the establishment of more churches that hold to the authority and inerrancy of God's Word. What goes on at the annual meeting is pretty typical for what you would expect. There are main speakers, there's breakout sessions, there's worship throughout the day, and there's a business portion. At the first night of the meeting, during the main session, David Platt, the pastor of McLean Bible Church, said this during his message. He said, prayerlessness at its core is pride. It says to God, I don't need you. I got this. What happens when we don't pray? Because of the sin that dwells within each one of us, our tendency is to drift. Life is like a river. You can imagine it like a river. And its current flows in the opposite direction from where the Christian is going toward. It pulls you away from the living God. And if we don't have a lifestyle that depends on prayer, we will drift. Our flesh naturally wants to go with the flow. We make decisions all the time in our own fallen wisdom. When we don't pray, we're basically telling God we don't need Him, that we can do it on our own, all the while floating and giving in to our own weaknesses. When we begin to struggle and realize the current is pulling us away, that we're not as strong against temptation as we think we are, when we're not as wise as we lead on to be and not as capable as we try to be, we don't need to just simply try harder to go against the current. We don't need to be indulged. We don't need to feel better about ourselves. We need a rescue boat from God. We need a working of His life-giving Spirit that acts like a, an oar against the tide. We need prayer. Prayers direct access to the throne of God. This is why we're commanded to pray. Praying is for our good. We are communing with God Himself. All of His attributes there for His people. The Spirit interceding on our behalf. God hears us and He answers us. His grace giving us what we need and He promises to grow us in grace through prayer. You see, a non-praying Christian doesn't exist. Every believer has learned to pray and it seems the longer that you're in the faith, the more prayer you need. God's grace has enabled you to see how dependent you are on Him and the free access He gives to His people. As He transforms believers into the saints that He's declared them to be, prayer becomes more and more necessary and a constant aspect to their life. You see, a Christian never graduates from the Gospel. You've heard me say that before. And we never graduate from our need for grace. Calling out to God for His grace is an ongoing part 
of the Christian life. Looking to Him, our hearts yearning for Him, and not ceasing in prayer, but rather it being the first thing a Christian does. This is what we see in today's text. Peter and John have become men of prayer. They have learned that they cannot live the Christian life without it. It is a critical aspect to every follower of Jesus Christ. See, there, there was a time, if you'll remember, that Peter had denied Christ and John had run away. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, Christ has restored them and He's ascended into heaven. The promise of the Holy Spirit has been fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit filling them and living within them, empowering them to live the life of a disciple and to do the good work of ministry and gospel advance. Peter and John are then locked up for sharing the gospel in Jerusalem. They were told by the Jewish council not to continue, and they were threatened with more punishment. And what did Peter and John do? They didn't change their message. They didn't promise and said, we'll change. They didn't begin to plan different strategies. They didn't look for ways to amuse the people and attract them to the church. They didn't seek ways to avoid the difficulty. What did they do? They held a prayer meeting. They asked for boldness to continue sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Their prayer was typical of the early church prayers. This is the second example we're given in the book of Acts. The first is in chapter 1, beginning in verse 24 and 25. There, the disciples turned to God for wisdom in replacing Judas. They knew they could not in their own power and with their own wisdom choose someone who would fulfill the role of an apostle. So they prayed to God since he knows the heart of all men. Here in chapter 4, Peter and John returned to fellow believers. And after telling them what had happened, they all prayed. They believed that praying to God was the best step to take. They all lifted their voices to God, knowing that He is the only one that they should turn to. Their prayer to God reveals their belief in God. It's evidence of them trusting in God and looking to Him to lead and to guide. This is why there's no such thing as a Christian who does not pray. Saying you believe in God and not praying to Him reveals a heart that doesn't trust Him. And a heart that doesn't trust Him is not saved by Him. A person can say they believe in God all they want, but if they do not pray to Him, they are not of Him. Peter and John, along with the other believers there, they pray. Their priority was prayer. For the remainder of our time together this morning, I want to walk us through ten reasons to pray. Peter and John, along with the rest of the Christians, gathered to pray, and like them, we need to petition the throne of God. We need to seek His face in prayer. And these ten reasons will be like ten logs added to the flame of salvation that fuel the fire of communing with God. The first reason we should pray is that it reminds us that God is in control 
of all things. God is in control of all things. He is sovereign. Look with me, please, again at verse 24, how they begin their prayer. They say what? Sovereign Lord. They acknowledge that God is over all, that He is in control, that this is His world and He's ruler of it. Everything in this world is subject to Him. Our sovereign Lord is maker of heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It all belongs to Him. He owns it all. It's because God is sovereign that Christians can pray to Him knowing that His answer is the answer. It's final. It's complete. Because nothing stops God. Nothing thwarts Him. What He sets in place doesn't move. He ordains and He makes it happen. It's God's sovereignty that gives the Christian confidence in prayer. Next, prayer gives opportunity to praise God. Verses 24 through 28 are actually a praise to God. Verses 25 and 26 come from Psalm 2, where David, after he was chosen to be king, was surrounded by his enemies and they attacked him. And while David wrote this psalm, it was God speaking through David. And so in Acts, the link is made between God and the people who tried to stop his plan of salvation. And yet all that happened, we're told, was predestined by God to happen. What he sets in place will be accomplished. Our prayers are opportunity to give him the praise that he deserves Because no one compares to Him. He's high above everyone else. All of history is part of God's plan. Your life is part of His plan. Everything that happens, all the good and the bad, are there because God wants it there. The rulers of this world cannot stop what God does. He declares the end from the beginning, and our prayers to Him honor Him. Third, Prayer strengthens our relationship with Jesus. This is super important. The first two are important. This one here for us as fallen creatures is super important. Our faith is not a religion. It's a relationship. Jesus said He is the vine and we are the branches. We need Jesus always. And while David wrote Psalm 2, it's really about the anointed one, the Messiah or the Christ. And what Jesus, who is the Christ, set out to do, he said on the cross, it is finished. His mission was finished. He came to save sinners. He came to gather his people. He came to die in their place. He came to take the wrath of God for them so that They can be made new and alive in Him and with Him. This tells us to to not treat prayer as only a summons for God to come and help us with our problems. See, it's the means He's established where the relationship with your Savior is nurtured. It's where we learn more about what His love is all about. It's where intimacy with Him grows and the relationship with Christ deepens. 
Jesus is the one who's called God's holy servant. He fulfilled the ministry of redeeming you. He personifies God's love for you. When you see Jesus, you see love. So see Jesus and see God's love. In prayer, receive more of that love as you think on Jesus, as you focus more on Jesus. You're focusing more on God's love for you. Fourth, prayer keeps us humble. It confesses that we cannot, but God can. Look with me, please, at verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. These believers are saying they cannot do this without the Lord. In our prayers, we are saying we can't do this without you, Lord. We cannot bear witness to Christ without God giving us the courage to do so. These followers of Jesus need boldness to share the gospel. Does that sound familiar? Every believer needs boldness to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So many times we don't give the message of salvation because we lack boldness. And in order to go to God and ask Him to give us the courage in order to share the good news with someone else, we have to first acknowledge that we're afraid. That's humbling, but it's true. You and I have a fear of what others will say or do. Maybe a a fear of, of what's going to happen even. A prayer to overcome that fear keeps back any pride that tries to rise up in our faith. Being humbled in our prayers is a good thing because it squeezes pride out of us. Fifth. Prayer fights our fear of the unknown. All the worries and concern of what could happen, the evil that may come against us, the danger we may encounter, all the enemies of our faith seem to work in tandem and build this wall of fear for what might happen. At times we seem to to be froze up where all we can do is just look to the unknown and We just don't know what's going to happen. We're uncertain and we're worried. Maybe we're anxious. These disciples didn't know what would happen to them if they continued to share the gospel. They were certainly threatened with more punishment, but they didn't know what that really meant. The opposition against them wasn't over. They They could be arrested again or something worse even. Instead of asking to be removed from this danger... They pray for God to help them be faithful witnesses. Many believers since then have faced persecution and unimaginable suffering for the cause of Christ. Many have set out not knowing how their life would end up. The unknown is always just a moment away from all of us. So how do Christians face the unknown? We turn to God and we pray and ask Him to keep us faithful and keep us moving forward. We do this knowing that our lives are in His hands. This leads to the next reason. Prayer helps us to trust God and to seek His help. 
These Christians prayed to God because they trusted God. They didn't rely on their own understanding. They fully trusted God. A praying Christian is a trusting Christian. They trust what God says about Himself is true. They rely on His faithfulness to see them through the darkest, most difficult moments in life. They hope in His ways, not their own. Having faith in God means to trust God. And not just the facts about God, you trust God with your life. It's knowing that He's for you and He's, he's not against you. It's knowing that whatever happens in this life doesn't compare to eternal life. And not only that, this what happens to you prepares you for the next life. When Christians seek God's help, We're saying, I trust you, God, to accomplish your purposes, and whatever happens to me is for my good. And not only do we trust Him to work for our good, we trust Him to heal others and to work signs and wonders through the name of Jesus, so more will come to believe and have eternal life as well. Our prayers reflect that. Our prayers show that our trust is in the Lord. We can't save anyone, but we know God can. So we pray that He will work in people's lives so they will believe. Next, prayer focuses on the mission God has given to us. In other words, prayer keeps us obedient to the Great Commission and zealous for good works. It turns our desires away from ourselves and toward God's purposes. We are not here in King George to build treasures on earth or for entertainment, but for worship and service to our great God. Both of those are oriented outward, not inward, but outward, expressing love to God and sharing His love with others. You won't find anywhere in the Bible where the people of God were looking just to their own needs. Nor will you find in the Bible where the people of God used entertainment or amusement to draw people to Jesus Christ. There's not a single place where they take a break or they take it easy when times are tough. In every instance, the people of God end up looking to God. They trust God. They remind each other about God. They follow God. They obey God. They serve God. And they constantly, without end, they pray to God. They don't chase after people. They don't lure them with gimmicks. They don't change the mission. They present the truth and they wait for God. All of this is after they pray to God, they've cried out to God, And God hears them and fills them and guides them. And then He uses them for His glory. If you want to obey the greatest command to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength, if you want to obey the Great Commission, then pray. Number eight, prayer unifies the church. Peter and John prayed with the other believers in Jerusalem. With one voice, this community of believers were seeking God together in prayer. 
a, cha- a church that prays together stays together. It doesn't matter if one person prayed or if they all prayed in unison. That's not the point here. The point is in prayer, the body of believers is unified in turning to God and communing with Him. Prayer is not reserved for, for me as the pastor. Prayer is not reserved for the elders or for ministry leaders or anyone else who's considered a leader in the church. Peter and John were apostles of Jesus Christ, but they weren't praying with other apostles. They were praying with other believers who were living there in Jerusalem. When we pray together, it brings harmony among the ranks of God's people wherever they're gathered. And as we pray in service here this morning, God is not hearing just one person's prayer. He's looking down on Redeemer Church and He hears it as our prayer. It unifies us because we're all seeking Him. We're wanting to hear from Him. Next, Christians pray because it's effective. Look with me please at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Prayer is effective. God always answers the Christian's prayer. Do you believe that? God always answers the Christian's prayer. Now, it's not always immediate. It's not always the answer we think we want, but God does always answer prayer. When Peter and John and the believers gathered with them finished praying, God responded by sending an outpouring of His Spirit in such a way that it shook the building that they were in. And then they all shared the Word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer and they physically knew it. He let them know His presence was there with them. The power of God was there to fulfill God's purpose and to give them what they needed. He made them aware of His presence and His power. This is how prayer works. God doesn't always come with a big entrance where all are left in wonder and amazement. Sometimes He comes in a whisper. Sometimes He comes in a still, small voice. But He comes. He responds to our prayer in a way that accomplishes His plan that He's already set in motion and He answers us at the same time. And last, prayer empowers the church to be witnesses. The end of verse 31 says again, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. When you and I pray, when we pray, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead works in our hearts and strengthens us so we can preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Notice the word all. All were filled. All were speaking the word of Christ with boldness. No matter what comes, 
all of them were filled, all of them speaking with boldness. One person might have prayed on behalf of those gathered, but God answered by helping all of them. While every believer has the Holy Spirit living within them, there are times when a fresh filling of the Spirit comes. In a moment of crisis or times when we need unusual courage or extra wisdom or God comes and He gives us what we need at that moment, the whole church is given what we need to be witnesses of His. These reasons to pray are the Christian's motivations to turn to God and say, I need you. God, I need you. We, as a church, we need you. My prayer is that this will be a reality more and more for Redeemer Church. That we will not just go through the order of service. We will not just begin meetings or gatherings with prayer and then close it. But we will truly be dependent on God in prayer that we will have the boldness and we will experience the Lord's presence in ways that bring him honor and glory while we're renewed and we're strengthened to live in prayer let's pray